Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, hello. Welcome to the program. It's the 10th of October, and it's 10 o'clock, sort of, kind of. At least it is at the moment. Um, I was thinking when I woke up this morning, If you wanted to know what a constitutional crisis is, you're living in one now. Uh, We weren't before, but we are now. Uh, When you have uh, one of the branches of government, in this case the executive, refusing to acknowledge the constitutional powers of another branch of government, that would be the legislative, the Congress, and nobody's giving, and there's no constitutional fix for it, you've got a constitutional crisis. They don't come often. And we're in one now because of the refusal of the White House to acknowledge the right, the constitutional right. There's no there's no doubt about the congressional right here. Uh, to do what it is, in fact, trying to do, which is an impeachment inquiry. So as, as soon as one branch does what the White House did this, uh, was it yesterday that that letter came uh, from the White House? The letter, which, I mean is even about, you know republican constitutional scholars are saying are using words like pathetic it was not a legal legally reasoned argument it was just a screed of complaint so this is right now with the refusal of the White House to in any way cooperate with the so far constitutionally clean House inquiry, uh, you have a full-on confrontation between one branch and the other with no no fix available. What do we do? What do you do? Maybe you bring in the third branch who look the justice uh, branch, but it will be loath to get in between. Uh, these two battling behemoths, even though the arguments are inarguably all on one side. (laughs) There is little doubt that if uh, the House were to go to the courts to compel the White House to cooperate with its inquiry, that the House would prevail. Um, the Constitution is just clear. It gives the House <laughs> the power, in, it, in no uncertain terms, gives the House the power to do what the House is doing. So a, an impeachment inquiry is a totally valid constitutional 
power given to the House of Representatives in our Constitution. The subject of the inquiry, the president in this case, has no right whatsoever to decide how the House will do its inquiry. The Constitution just says the House, quote, shall have the power to impeach, of impeachment, I think is the exact word, shall have the power of impeachment. There is no justification for the subject of an impeachment inquiry to refuse to cooperate. I I find this frightening because I don't know what you do. Technically, the House could, I guess, arrest people. They do also have that constitutional right. It hasn't been used in a gazillion years. They could arrest the people who are refusing to respond to uh, their subpoenas and requests for documentation and and or testimony. I don't know. But if you wanted to know what when this would, I mean, I think it was clear we were heading in this direction. Well, we've arrived. And how Republicans can continue to deny I'm talking about congressional Republicans, House and Senate members, are not standing with their branch. It's really outrageous. It's a total capitulation because of their fear of this president. One would think they would fear history. Would fear what their grandchildren will think of them. I guess not. New York Times says this in a news analysis today, breathtaking in scope defiant in tone, the White House's refusal to cooperate with the House impeachment inquiry amounts to an unabashed challenge to America's constitutional order. In effect, they say President Trump is making the sweeping assertion (laughs) that he can ignore Congress as it weighs his fate, because he considers the impeachment unfair. Well, uh, yeah, you know, last time I looked, I would imagine that anybody who finds themselves in the uh, the sights of, uh, of some judicial body anyone who is being uh, accused of or indicted for some activity, of course, uh, would uh, not be happy with that. But you tell me the last time somebody who got indicted, arraigned, whatever, accused, got to then tell the prosecution what they could and couldn't do. 
Can you possibly come up with an example? No, you cannot. Because <laughs> that's just not the way it works. So to have this subject, who happens to be the president, this subject of a constitutional judicial inquiry and potential indictment, impeachment, saying, you can't, I won't, you gotta, is, should be laughable. But it's not, because at this level, what it has created is something we have, we don't see a lot, a true constitutional crisis. Now let's be honest. The law is all on the congressional side. Trump does not have a leg to stand on here. So why is he doing this? Because you're looking at a cornered man, a cornered, unscrupulous man, a narcissist, as we know, who cares only about his own survival. And he'll take the whole goddamn country, its constitution, and everything else down with him. Because... Well, because he thinks he can. So he's doing this to save himself. It won't work. So he's doing this to make his gullible base think he's being persecuted unfairly. He's doing this... <coughs> to delegitimize this constitutional process. To delegitimize a legitimate, constitutionally mandated process. And if you look at all his defenders, they're not defending Anything he said and done that's caused this. They say things like, oh, he was joking. Oh, he didn't mean that. Oh, the House should take that vote first. None of that. None of that. Is meaningful or substantive. None of it. Oh, I don't know where this happens, where this ends. So we're looking at a president quite willing to take the whole goddamn country, constitution, down to save himself, and it will come to naught. To see him now, even those who have supported him in the past, are starting to peel away. He'll always have that core base that have thrown in with him and will go to their deaths for him because to do otherwise would be to acknowledge their own gullibility, stupidity, guilt, embarrassment. But now you have even Fox News, which will now be called fake news, I suppose, too, by this president. Now you have Fox News with the highest numbers I've seen. Their poll shows 55% of Americans now favor Impeachment, 55, and 51 favor removal, which is to say conviction. 
And stop and think. Those are numbers that are extraordinary given that the process has barely begun. Given that the witnesses we need to hear from have not been allowed to testify. The constitutional crisis. Some of the people that they are keeping from testifying will absolutely prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. The White House knows it. It's why the Justice Department knows it. The State Department knows it. And it's why they're refusing to cooperate. But the truth will out. The truth will out. You got a lot of people in D.C. now who are stuck in the middle of this fight of behemoths, the legislative and executive branch. And right now they're being prevented from being sworn in and testifying to their knowledge of what happened. Some of them don't want to testify. Because if they do the bidding of their boss, they will probably perjure themselves. If they tell the truth, they will be traitors to his cause. But I can't imagine how many of these people around him are willing to go to jail for him. I think I said last week the number in the Nixon administration was 55. 55 people were convicted during that crisis. I think this number will be higher. Is the caller still there? Caller, go ahead, please. Hello. Hi. Hi. He, um, he's acting, it's like Nixon went right into him. He's acting just like Nixon, if not worse. I mean, the same type of getting mad and everybody around him is no damn good and all that. But um, I, I, I'll be surprised to see if the Senate does anything to him. I, I mean, I'm still, I'm hoping they do, but that'll shock me if they do. Well, you were, as I said, we've barely begun the process. Wait till, yeah. we, wait till people are compelled to testify. And the, the information is so damning that the senators will have to maybe reconsider. Maybe Americans will be in the streets like they should be when the Senate gets the case. I don't know. I would, not, um, I would not say that in the end the Senate will not convict. I'm not so sure. I got a feeling somehow, some way, they are going to figure out a way to get him out and maybe save him from his, the worst potential fate. I don't know. If you don't think Mitch McConnell and these other Republicans are are talking about how to save themselves, what to do. I mean, that's all they're thinking about. They sure as hell ain't doing their jobs. They haven't done any legislation in years. Now, Trump in uh, this Syria thing, I agree with him, but he never does it in the right way. But I, I'm always amazed when they bring the generals on these shows and they're always defending it. It's like it's their bread and butter, and they're, you're not going to mess with their bread and butter. It's they want to keep in wars. They don't care, and and then they'll say about we got to keep fighting ISIS, and then it, it's the we made ISIS. So it's like why should we believe you people? It's like when they come on there, they have no credibility to me. I just think they're blowhards. I just I can't take them because we went into Iraq and we made ISIS. It's like and so it's just one big. You know, going around in a circle. They, well, you and they keep going into different. 
yeah, What's that? you forget that a general uh, is part of a command structure where you don't question your superior officer, and a general has a, a superior officer, and it's called the commander-in-chief, which happens to right. be the president. They are not if they are serving generals. That's why you hear a lot of retired generals speaking out. But if you're a general now and you're serving under this president, then he is your commander-in-chief. You do not disagree with him. Simple as that. In private, you may vent, but you cannot disagree with him. So I feel for a lot of those generals, frankly. Yeah. Okay. Hey, thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Now, speaking of uh, Syria, I have to tell you that this uh, is another thing, knowing it's happening right now. The Turks are saying they've killed at least 100 what they call terrorists. Uh, Those are Kurds, our allies. Our extraordinarily brave allies. And Trump, in another telephone call, when was it, last Saturday? He gets a call from Erdogan in Turkey, and Erdogan's squawking and screaming at him, I want to go in there, I want to go in, I got to go in, you got to back off. And Trump, without... Consulting any of his military who are there without consulting his secretary of defense, without consulting his state department, says, yeah, okay, go ahead, and throws these Kurds and their families because they're there, they have families there, children there, throwing them under the bus. I suppose Trump would say this was another perfect call. The call between him and Erdogan that created this disaster and the call between him and the Ukrainian president which caused his impeachment inquiry, both really perfect calls. One showing that he has no sense of what is legal and what is not. The other showing he has no sense what is moral and what is not. You know, there are Americans, former Marines, who fought alongside Kurds when they were in our military and were so taken by their courage that after they left the military, they went back to fight with them. There are former American military volunteering. They're not mercenaries volunteering to fight with the Kurds. And one of them is a guy named Michael Maldonado, former Marine. And he is over there now. I hope he's alive. And he says, we are going to fight. We see a strong country, Turkey, coming to massacre people who are just trying to live their lives, and we are going to try to stop this. We feel we have no choice. This is an American Marine placed in harm's way because his former commander-in-chief, still his president, doesn't have a frigging clue what he's doing. 
we have cut off all support to these Kurds. We have given Turkey's military American surveillance video so they could pinpoint where our Kurdish allies are. I heard a report from a reporter on the ground yesterday saying that the roads were clogged with all manner of vehicles of Kurdish families desperately trying to get away. And they were fleeing where? To a former facility where American military were. They were running for shelter to us when we're the ones who brought this reign of terror on them. We've got a crackpot running foreign policy. He does not consult with the people who actually know what's happening. He just says, yeah, okay, do it, go for it. And then when called on it, by Republicans, by Democrats, by everybody in the world, he disparages these brave people. What he said yesterday is beyond belief when someone suggested, but they have been the main ground force. They have been the ones who've been fighting ISIS for us. For well over a decade, they have been the ones who've done the brunt of much of the fighting. And this is how we pay them back. And Trump says, Yeah, they did it out of their own self-interest. They didn't help us in the Second World War. They didn't help us in Normandy. What? What? This is our president talking. And Republican senators hearing this stand with him. They have no shame. The reality is where those Kurds were in northern Syria, that was the most stable. They had stabilized that region. The most stable area in Syria. And we'll not even get into how they were holding and looking after all these ISIS fighters. And now they aren't, because they're running for their lives. So where are the ISIS fighters going? Trump says, ah, who cares, they're going to Europe. What? What? More reporting at the Pentagon. We're more than five years of fighting alongside Kurdish troops in Iraq and in Syria has now given way to this go get them. Some officials say that there was more anger at the Pentagon than they had ever seen since Trump became president. As I said, this guy will take down every institution, every aspect of our country and he is still being aided and abetted. He's incoherent, you know. Now he has said, uh, yeah, Erdogan uh, doing this, that's a bad idea. It's the idea you greenlighted, you fucking fool!
house. Stupid do you have to be. So I just want to say, I think things are, in one respect, heading in a good direction in that I think as this president continues to act totally erratically, so much so that even Republicans are having to say, stop this, it's not good. Even his pal Lindsey Graham is apoplectic. That the damage he is doing is extraordinary. Uh, Chris is asking if I heard this thing. Yeah, I did. Um, Bloomberg News is out with an extraordinary story. It's a little complicated, but it shows that Trump has, since probably day one of his presidency, been engaged in impeachable offenses. I mean, he's just... It turns out that he intervened in a case involving a... What was the guy? Some shady gold dealer? A guy with uh, Iranian and Turkish, I believe, citizenship. He was charged by our Justice Department for, I guess, trading and doing business with Iran in violation of our sanctions that we'd imposed. Um... Oh, this is actually a different story you've sent me. Oh, for heaven's sakes. It's just going to, i got to tell you, the dam is breaking. Guess who, it turns out, the, uh, the gold dealer got to represent him when the U.S. feds are coming at him? Rudy Giuliani. And so Giuliani went to his friend the President of the United States, and said, eh, you gotta, can you help us here? We got, I got this nice guy. And apparently, there was an effort again, the President of the United States intervening in a case brought by his own Justice Department to help out a buddy, Rudy Giuliani. This is unheard of. But this is a different story you sent me. You know, when this all comes down, I'll tell you, I hope Rudy uh, enjoys prison. But may, this guy, he's turning out to be the zealot of, um, of this whole, everywhere you look, there he is. This is CNN, and I thank Chris for sending it. Two associates of Rudy Giuliani connected to efforts to dig up dirt in Ukraine on Joe Biden were arrested yesterday on criminal charges for violating campaign finance rules. Okay, that, that's the Southern District of New York going after them. Uh, they were detained at Dallas, Dallas Airport, expected to appear in court today. Uh, one of the guys was Giuliani's fixer in Ukraine who was introducing him to current and former officials as far back as 2018. Uh, these two also gave hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations to Trump uh, Super PAC. The Wall Street Journal first reported these arrests. Um, okay. So there's just another bit of scum. The word is skullduggery, I know, but in with these guys, I think the proper word is scumduggery. Unbelievable. They're crooks. They're crooks. They're grifters. I mean, I guess it was always assumed. 
up until now that every person who would achieve these high offices would have some sense of the responsibility they held and some sense of honor. Some, even a little smidgen. And that's not what we have here. Oh, dear God. All right. So, here's just a little, uh, another story I want to get in here. Uh even though I hadn't talked about it, but I know it got a lot of play on like uh, network newscasts be as a feel-good story. Remember the story of um, the vet veteran in Florida who died, and uh, I guess the funeral home put out something saying he has no immediate fam, no family. They couldn't find any family, and so the funeral home invited people to come. And then it sort of went viral, and so a gazillion people who didn't even know this guy, Edward Pearson, came to his funeral. I saw one one piece on, I think, NBC, and oh my God, it was so moving, all these people. Well, now, of course, the rest of the story. It turns out he did have family. Uh, and in fact, the family, his two sons, came forward. And when they got wind of this, they thought, oh my God, that's our father. They told the funeral home uh, that, no, he has family, we're his family. But it was too late. The funeral home did not inform the public or the press because they had this big thing going. He had two sons. He'd walked out on them and their mother when the boys were teenagers. He never paid any child support. He did not in any way ever involve himself with his children. And so, I don't know. It shows how, you know, social media now just... We like a good story. We like a good narrative. We like, oh, look what wonderful people we are all coming out for this guy who turns out to be an SOB. There was a reason he was alone with no one to mourn him. Although his sons did attend this charade. His son, Edward Pearson Jr., said, I was surprised he was still alive all this time. They'd been told by someone somewhere that he was dead. I never knew it. I'm hurt because all these years I could have talked to him and found out why he did what he did to us and why we were lied to. son is 55 years old. He said the last time he ever spoke to his father was 1983. And I guess the wife of this guy, his second wife, is the one who told his kids that he was dead. She told them they'd, he'd been electrocuted at work. Um, so there you have it. If the funeral home had done the right thing and upon finding out that this whole thing was based on a lie, uh, if they had acknowledged that, um, 
that would have been the right thing to do, but uh, they didn't. And as people understand, they were getting great publicity. So why let the thousands, they say 4,000 people showed up. Why tell any of these people that they were showing up for a lie? The guy had family, even if he walked away from them. So beware the feel-good story, because so often, it seems, they are then proved wrong. So the Supreme Court on Tuesday uh, heard these two cases, whether or not the Civil Rights Act actually outlaws discrimination based on gender. The wording in the Civil Rights Act is sex. And if it's sexual orientation, then gay people would be uh, covered, right? But because it's never been determined that that was part of the original idea, then they're not covered. And so, as I think we said earlier in the week, a gay person in most of the country is vulnerable to firing uh, if it is found out they are gay. So in other words, they're simply not able to be who they are and they have to pretend. Now, we got this 5-4 court now and from the questioning that occurred during oral arguments it seemed like it was 5-4. <laughs> People were a little concerned. So they could actually come out and say, hey look, when the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1964, that Congress, when it put down the wording of, uh, you know, uh, that you cannot be discriminated on the basis of race, sex, um, ethnicity, any of that stuff, they weren't thinking about gay people. They were thinking about heterosexual men and heterosexual women. And you know what? That's clearly what Justice Alito thought. Because he's saying, he said during the arguments that they didn't, they didn't even know the term gender orientation, you know, orientation. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, we'll see if they're willing to. My guess is, is that Roberts or somebody else, I can't imagine who, will uh, say that, yeah, the Civil Rights Act covers all of this. Uh, everybody, everybody. But um, they might not. One of the reasons so many Republicans said they hung by this guy, the evangelicals, stay with Trump because of stuff like this because of what he's doing to the Supreme Court so that they will be the last bastion, the evangelicals pray and others, of this onslaught of gay people being seen as normal or worthy of protection. Now if they do if the conservatives were to uh, prevail, the what would have to happen is gay rights uh, activists have to go back to the legislature and have it made clear that the Civil Rights Act does in fact mean sexual orientation. Now that would work in the House, but the current Republican Senate 
would not pass that legislation, would it? I'm just saying. Boy. Sure seemed sometimes one step forward, two steps back. Doesn't it? I found the biggest spider in my bedroom yesterday. It was, you know, and it wasn't didn't look like one of those friendly spiders. You know what I mean? You know, it wasn't a daddy long legs. It was, it had too big a body. It had like, I even think it was a brown recluse. Are they big? I don't. This thing was big, and its legs were. It was huge. I was panicked. I didn't know what to do. It just sort of stayed where it was, and thank God my son happened by. Ah! He said, ah! and he, of course, humanely took the spider and uh, placed the spider outside. I kept screaming, farther away from the house! But interestingly, I later that day read something about the spider that terrorizes us perhaps more than any other. And I learned something I did not know. How did I go all this time letting Hollywood horror stories inform me about tarantulas? Because tarantulas are friggin' scary looking. Why? I mean, they're big and they're hairy. And they are used in, I mean, how many frightening movies? All of a sudden there's a tarantula on you. Um, and you know what? You know what I found out? They're nice. <laughs> They're, they mean no harm and, in fact, cannot harm you. A tarantula is zero threat to humans. Zero. Who knew? God dang. It's like what we did to sharks. Ooh, you know how many people get killed by a shark in the world? I mean, oh, in a year? I mean, more are felled by, right, mosquitoes. Or, you know, I don't know what. So we do this all the time to these animals. So I read this in the Wall Street Journal. Tarantulas, apparently there's a lot of them up around San Francisco. Who knew? I always thought, because I, I learned about tarantulas from the movies, I thought they were tropical. What are they doing in San Francisco? Turns out they're in the woods. And right now it's mating season. And as if it's not bad enough how much we fear these insects. I got to tell you about, well, I've heard this kind of thing before, but the poor males. Now, I know my sister especially is given into just beating males up left and right these days. But man, have some sympathy for a male tarantula. Because right now there are tarantulas looking desperately for love. These males are all over the place, and they're looking for the female. The female lives underground. The males are wandering all over the place looking, looking for the woman. And let's say he gets lucky and finds her. And let's say he even gets luckier and she lets him copulate. But then, sort of like a lot of people after sex used to like to have a cigarette, a lot of female tarantulas after sex are hungry. And so they eat the male. All right, sure, you can have a piece, but uh, and I'm going to eat you. And that's what happens to these poor guys. 
they're desperate and then they get oh, just it's too awful so anyway i learned something about tarantulas they cannot kill you they do have venom it is so mild it's it, it it'll kill uh, it'll kill a cricket their venom it won't do anything to you the female can live as long as 25 years the male Usually, I mean, the, the first time they mate, they're four. They're like four years old. So they have four years. And then they mate and get killed. So the female, jeez. <laughs> so I just want you to know that I wish I'd known this because I, I knew a tarantula once. I mean, it was in a, you know, like a terrarium-like thing. But it was a pet. I've told you the story, I'm sure, of a friend. And um, this was long ago when I lived in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, I forget what the, I forget what he called him. I'm sorry, but he one day excitedly told me, "Hey, I taught him a trick." I said, "Come on, you can't teach a tarantula a trick." I did. I taught him a trick. And we went to the terrarium, and there was, I can't, it was a name like Mark. I don't know. And he said, watch this, as the tarantula Mark is sitting there. He says, Mark, stay. And damned if Mark didn't stay. Did not move a muscle. But that is impressive. Once I went there and there appeared to be two marks in the terrarium. And that is really weird because they literally crawl out of their skin. The molt, they literally crawl out and there's a new mark and the old mark is still standing there. Stay! And one is alive and the other is just the over... The, 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 and so my friend Larry used to save the molts. And I can't, I maybe have four or five. And he would hang them on his Christmas tree. I'm just saying. Those are all my interactions with tarantulas, but I now feel so bad about falling for this crapola propaganda or judging the spider simply on its looks right judging the book by its cover i also by the way got an answer to what's going on with my uh my mail which is operating better today i have been told that it is the server here. And it's a long story, but the fact is city paper does not control uh, the server. We're, we're in shared space on this floor. Here's city paper behind me. Over there is Steel City Media, who own radio stations and used to own Pittsburgh City Paper. They decided to sell the paper. I don't know how long has it been. It's been some time. Ever since I got kicked out of that crappy little studio they'd given me. And, and so city paper's still here. They're still over there. But they control the... And I don't know. They might be uh, messing with us or something. It's unclear. But apparently the reporters uh, and the people at City Paper have been having a lot of difficulty with their emails, too. So I will continue. Uh, today, like, uh, I just, like I did get this uh, from Chris, 
The rest of you have been quiet, um, as far as I know. But I am checking on my other email that... Oh, well, actually, this one didn't show up, Chris, on the... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, my phone's ahead of this. So Chris also writes, I hope when, when, not if, Giuliani goes to jail... Donna Hanover is celebrating with a glass of champagne. He is the biggest piece of crap I've seen in a long while. He really is. I, I also think he's nuts. I think he's nuts. He seems deranged. Um, Donna Hanover, by the way, was Giuliani's wife. How many wives ago? She was his wife... Most of the time he was mayor. She was a television personality or reporter who did a stint here in Pittsburgh. So some people might remember her from then. And then she had the misfortune of falling in love with this uh, U.S. attorney guy, Rudy Giuliani, who then became the mayor of New York. Who and she's the one who, she's the one right who found out that he was divorcing her when he just offhandedly mentioned it to reporters. <laughs> what a vile character! And now he is in the process of um, of extracting himself uh, from his uh, other marriage. Um, I don't know. These are just the worst. They are the worst people. The worst people. So what are, what are, what are, what are, I got two minutes here. What are we supposed to talk about here? Oh, God, there's so much. Um, uh, no, I don't need that. Uh, I don't need that. Uh, the Washington Post, uh, I believe, in their editorial today, uh, or maybe yesterday, arguing that the unhinged letter, as they call it, that the White House sent to uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, yesterday uh, is, uh, is it, we can't look at that as just more of the same Trump being Trump. Um, The Washington Post editorial says the letter, astonishingly signed by an individual with a law degree, <laughs> declares that the president will cooperate in no way with the impeachment inquiry. Um, they quote Republican lawyers as saying the, these things. One called it the letter bananas. The other said, pure hackery. Here's another one, a barely lawyered temper tantrum. Those are all Republicans uh, describing this letter. Uh, and the last paragraph is this. The Constitution unambiguously empowers the House to conduct an impeachment, and it grants the President no authority to impede it. If members of Congress, Republicans and Democrats, do not flatly reject Trump's letter, they will humiliate themselves and shred the constitutional order. They cannot allow the president to say the law is not the law. The fact that you haven't heard any Republicans coming out and saying that tells you that, as I said, they are willing to, what, humiliate themselves, be on the wrong side of history, be laughed at in the history books or stunned by 
future readers of American history for their cowardice and their failure to live up to their oaths of office to defend the Constitution. That's what they all take when they take the oath. Defend the Constitution. The Constitution needs defense right now from members of Congress because the White House is not acknowledging the constitutional right of the House to impeach and to call the shots. It doesn't get much simpler. And the fact that it's simple is why you you will see these numbers continue to grow and Trump continue to become more and more erratic. And I think eventually he's just going to sort of self-immolate in some way. One can only hope. Uh, Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.